beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis. And what's up? I'm Nubia. Well, that's different. I know. I'm a little happy. We're doing a little little energy. (laughs) All right. So we are sitting with Tiara Willis. Hello. How's everyone? (laughs) We're doing fabulous. Tiara, thank you so much for being a part of the show. We're looking forward to talking to you and talking about your experiences. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Definitely. (laughs) So currently, Tiara, you are based in Zimbabwe. Is that correct? Yep, Harare, Zimbabwe. And how long have you been in Zimbabwe? I've been here, you know, I plan to come for a week, and I've been here since November. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) A week turned into months. Almost six months. Nice. So you enjoy it that much? I do, and you know, I found love over here, which is what is keeping me here. Okay. Okay. We might have to go to I was going to say, we might have to tap Mm. into that a little bit later, but... (laughs) But first, uh, let's just get started on your travel journey because you said you've been traveling since you were 16. So take us back to how Mm -hmm. that all got started. Okay. So I didn't see too many people in my family or that I knew that traveled. So it was just something that seemed really far-fetched, but I was like, hmm, I want to do it. And if I can go anywhere, I would go somewhere in Africa. And then I remember I was in high school and, you know, those high school programs that come to you, oh, spend the summer in Africa, spend the summer, you know, somewhere. And you spend all this money and you get like this cool vacation. It was kind of like that, but it was a free program. It was a nonprofit. And they were like, we want to take kids in the inner city to different parts of the world, not limited to Africa, South America, Asia, Europe. Africa. And so I signed up and I thought it was like a scam. But like 10 years later, I can tell you it's not a scam. (laughs) And and they actually let me choose. They were like, where would you want to go? And I was like, send me to Africa. And they were like, okay. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. And this all happened while you was in high school. In high school, sophomore year. I was going to say, this is a great thing for parents who hear the podcast Mm -hmm. is to really tap into some of the programs that maybe schools offer or some nonprofits in, in their city may offer to help their children get abroad. Yeah, absolutely. Those papers that we bring home, just listen to them. All of them are not scams. Like had I looked at the flyer for the program that I was a part of, you would think it's a scam, but it's really not. And I would just encourage young kids to look at the bulletin boards and for parents to pay attention and ask about these programs because they exist, but we just... We always think there's something that, you know, that they want to get out of it, you know? Yeah, we've talked about that before in regards to, you know, especially people of color mistrusting administration or staff Mm -hmm. and just not feeling all too comfortable with anything that deals with them and their children going thousands Mm -hmm. and thousands of miles away. And it's demystifying that whole uh, And it's free. Mm -hmm. What you want? And it's free. I've never paid a dollar. (laughs) Where are you going? (laughs) Mm-hmm. So you got mm-hmm. your first taste abroad, Africa. Where did you go? Mm-hmm. I went to Ghana. Nice. As a high school mm-hmm. senior, 
So the application process is during my sophomore year, and I went during my junior year. Okay, that's nice. And it's mm-hmm. great that you was able to appreciate where you went because you actually had a choice. Mm-hmm. You were asked where you would like right, to go. Right, exactly. Okay, so you got to experience mm-hmm. Africa. And then after mm-hmm. high school, going into college, was it just you were bitten by the travel bug? That was it? You was like, by U.S., I got to go back to Africa. Like, tell us your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. I mean, I was still broke, but I was like, you know what, I want to travel. So I sacrificed sometimes the newest clothes for a travel ticket. And I'm sure you guys know once you're out there, it's cheap to travel intercontinental. You know what I mean? So you can travel from one country to the next a lot cheaper than if you were just coming stateside to another country. So that's kind of how it happened. And then I made friends along the way. And then I had friends that say, oh, I have this place in such and such. Come stay with me. You know, that's kind of how it happened. And the program that I went to Ghana with, it actually came full circle because I was eventually able to lead a trip to Turkey. So I was able to be one of those, like the group leader. So the parents came to me like paranoid. And I was like, I've been in your, my mom has been in your shoes. I've been in your child's shoes. It's not a scam. Just come on and get your child out here. You know? Now, what was Mm -hmm. it like leading those young, curious minds? (laughs) It was cool because... I've been there. And so I was like, they're nervous. They're afraid. They think they're going to die. You know, all these crazy thoughts. That <laughs> but I actually studied in Turkey. So I knew the country very well. And so I was able to show them just something different, you know, a different culture, because I'm sure you guys know it's majority Muslim. They're a bit more conservative, but beautiful. The food was amazing. I got to really dig deep with my students because they had these fears and I had the same fears. You know what I mean? And I was able to say, nope, don't listen to a lot of what the media says. You'll be fine. I promise you'll be okay. It was pretty cool to engage with students that way. And it was nice that you was able to like pretty much pay it for it. You started with programs like that and then you started to help others to navigate through programs like that. So you were in education. Is that what you did for work? Right, work. I I feel like I've been volunteering. (laughs) I've been volunteering for so long. I actually just came back from the Peace Corps, uh, started my own business since then. But yes, I was in education up until then. Turkey, Ghana, Kenya, and I just completed Peace Corps in Mozambique. Wow. Seems Mm -hmm. like you really dedicated your life to service, which is amazing. Definitely, Peace Corps is not Mm -hmm. easy. So kudos to you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It really takes you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So now you've created your own business. You are an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You're living in Africa. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that business is. How did you get started? I gotcha. Okay. While I was in the Peace Corps, throughout my travels, I noticed that, especially throughout Africa, that there's this link that needs to be glued between the African-American and the African, or the Afro-Latina and the African. And so I was like, what can I do? What can I do? So while I was completing my Peace Corps service... I started having local tailors make small things and then we send it over to different friends and family. And then it became really popular. And I was like, hmm, I could make this guy some money, you know? So essentially I started having him sell his items and then I sell it on my social media. And then that grew bigger. And then also while I was teaching, I noticed my students had skills that I wanted people at home, when I say home, I mean the States to learn. And I was like, hmm, how can I bridge this gap? So kids would work on the farms and do like, grow like moringa and different herbs. So I was like, hmm, how can I ship this legally to the States? So from that, I decided to do imports and exports to and from the States, whether it be the fabrics that I was doing or the herbs that the kids were growing. So I decided to start shipping that to and from the States and it's done really well. And so I was doing that for a while. And then I was like, okay, we can expand this. But I like the concept of bridging the gap between the African and the African-American because we tend to think that we're really different and we're really not. I always compare the village to the hood. 
in the States. And I see so many similarities between the mentality, the work ethic, a lot of things are the same. So essentially we're starting a few things here, my boyfriend and I and his mother, starting a few things here to essentially bridge the gap between the African and the African-American, whether it be showing them how to invest in the natural resources here, showing, exchanging beauty products, hair products, things like that. I love it because what happens is, you know, a lot of people will take some of the ideas from those, you know, their travels and then mm-hmm. go back to the state and, you know, make a profit, which is nothing wrong with that. However, mm-hmm. you know, you're taking a different angle and you're employing right. people there and making mm-hmm. them self-sustainable. So right. I love that. Thank you. Awesome. Nice. So what's the plan? So you're in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Do you have intentions on continuing traveling throughout Africa mm-hmm. or do you have other countries to go to? Because at this point, you've been over to over 50 countries. <laughs> I mean, that in itself is great because you're a young woman traveling solo for the most part, correct? Correct. Putting your time in as a volunteer, mm-hmm. you know, just going out there and putting yourself out there to be a part of service and to have purpose. Now found love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is great. Congratulations. Thank you. Are you singing? I was singing. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry okay. about that, y'all. I sing terrible, but you know. She thought it was a karaoke moment. I mean, now that we found love, you know that song. I do know that song. <laughs> oh, okay. So, are you trying to continue to, I guess, put your reach within Africa only, or do you plan on expanding to other countries? Not limited to Africa, but I do find. A strong pull here, if that makes sense. So I came back, I completed my service in Mozambique in August, and I was back here by October. <laughs> so for some reason, I keep ending up here. Now I'd love to travel the world. I've also been to many countries outside of Africa. However, I do, for now, I do feel like my heart is here, not just Zimbabwe, through different Africa. Okay. So you definitely, mm-hmm. maybe for now, have found your home base, whereas Nubia and I are kind of sure, still yeah. looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's awesome. Yes, it takes us to be mm. over 50 countries before we do. <laughs> I'd hit that 50 mark. <laughs> so let me ask you, Tiara, what is something that still leaves you in awe culturally? You've traveled to so many countries. What is something that you sit with and be like, wow, that's that's just incredible? Mm. So many. I would say, okay, so when I was serving, whether it be Peace Corps or other programs that I've done, many times I've lived in a village. I know a lot of people see me on Instagram and think live this fancy life because I travel, but I always tell people if they want a fancy vacation, don't come to me <laughs> because I go, <laughs> I go and I go into different villages and I don't like to stay at the fanciest of places all the time. So I was living in I've lived in many villages and I just, I look at my kids all the time and I look at how similar they are to me when I was growing up. I think I touched on this earlier, like how similar, because I grew up in North Philly, which is the hood (laughs) and the things that they told me, oh teacher, I don't know if I can do this because people our skin color don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, little boy, (laughs) you can do this. You know, you can just seeing how similar like I said before, the African and the African-American is just always leaves me in awe. I'm like, wow, you know, the the mentality is the same, Mm -hmm. you know, the effects of, you know, colonial rule are the same, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's always my job to be like, no, you can do this. But I just always think about how as a child, we were told that we're so different than Africans and how, you know, they don't like us and all these crazy things. I just sit there every day. I just realize we are the same. Let's embrace this. We are the same. Okay, but let me tap into that a little bit because I've been to Africa, mm-hmm. but I've only been to South Africa, mm-hmm. Johannesburg and Cape Town. And you, t- mm-hmm. you tapped into something that personally I kind of went through. Mm-hmm. Anybody who sees me, I'm a dark skinned woman and I have 
very mm-hmm. strong African features. So when I was in Africa, mm-hmm. you know, I was approached a few times. And when I said I'm American, it was kind of mm-hmm. like, ugh, she's American. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had a conversation with a young man about it. And he said, you know, there is a lot of racism in Africa amongst their own people. I guess Absolutely. there's something called like the blacks versus the colors. The colors are Absolutely. the ones that have more of a European bloodline mm-hmm. and the blacks are more just traditionally just black and it looked at as being a lower class. So mm-hmm. how were you received as an American in Africa? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. So that's a really good question because my boyfriend and I, who would both be considered colored here, which obviously is an offensive term in uh, the U.S., we... We deal with this a lot because when we go out, we're perceived as these prestigious Americans who think that we're better. Now, most places throughout um, the continent, colors, you know, without going too much back into history, colors were perceived as a step above Africans because they weren't so dark. That at least they had some white in them so they could pass, so they could be better, so they could get better jobs. So some colors take that as I'm definitely better than the African. So how would you feel? You know what I mean? So if I see a 100% African woman and I see a colored person and they mistreat me, I'm going to eventually have those type of feelings towards them because that's how they all are in my eyes. You know what I mean? What we try to do is share a different narrative. No, we are the product of, uh, my boyfriend and I, are the, most likely the product of rape. That is nothing to embrace. So therefore, we do not think that we are better than you. We find ourselves always saying this to people, you know, because they always assume exactly like you said, these Americans, they think that they're better. Oh, and they're mixed. You know, they don't even want to know where they come from. We find ourselves fighting that. We find ourselves always educating people on that very topic because we we are very pro-Africa. We are very pro-Black. You know what I mean? It's just that we happen to be of a different skin tone. I'm Afro-Latina. My mom is from Puerto Rico, an African woman from Puerto Rico. So I also have to fight that, you know, oh, she thinks she's better because she's mixed. I don't, you know what I mean? And that's just simply based off of them looking at us and their past experiences. So we do have to educate a lot of people on that. Yeah. I mean, that sounds tough for sure. Especially Mm -hmm. since, you know, you know what your experience is like in the States to, you know, being person of color Mm -hmm. and then you come out to Africa and you're dealing with something similar and it's Mm -hmm. like, well, no, but wait, right. you know, listen, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know the struggle uh, just as much. And it, it takes me back to right. when I was in high school, because I'm originally from Haiti. And I remember just, you know, hanging out mm-hmm. with mostly just the Caribbean folks and the Africans, because there was, there was a little bit of separation when it came to African-Americans and Africans and folks from the Caribbean. Right. So it took a little bit of while to adjust to each other, especially with different languages and different accents and dialects and he found it often that sometimes you know you weren't really well received with the African Americans and then you had to (laughs) battle that situation as well so like you said there is no difference right same same it's it's Mm -hmm. like they say in Thailand same same (laughs) same same I mean it must be tough so you talk about how you and your boyfriend now have to really educate people 
But let's go back before the boyfriend came okay. about. Do you realize or see a difference in your travels and how people perceive you as a woman that is now like traveling with a male versus being a woman who was just a single solo traveler? Absolutely. I actually told him this. It's kind of like a relief because traveling as a woman, you're, you're prone to more like harassment, whether it be physical harassment, sexual harassment. And it's kind of like a relief. And like now oh, I don't have to worry about that. Not only because he's here to defend me, but the idea of him, you know what I mean? Traveling as a woman can be tricky. You know, men think that they can approach you. Different cultures, you don't know what to expect. If you're new in a culture, you don't know whether this behavior is more acceptable or if it's not. So you just have to be very cautious. And I feel like I was like kind of tense. And now it's just like, hmm, okay, the idea of a man here, they're going to be more, more skeptical about approaching me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just different depending on where you are as well. Because, I mean, let's just be honest. Depending on culturally, and I mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. want to offend anybody, but the African culture, men mm-hmm. can be a little bit more aggressive in the terms of being mm-hmm. very open about what they want. Like, hey, I want to date you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're going to get married. And we're going to yeah. have three kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, same goes with India. Indian <laughs> men are very upfront about mm-hmm. what they want. So yeah. to us, it might come across like, whoa, damn, mm-hmm. I'm being approached or I'm being, yeah. I'm being asked out 50 million times after you said no. But culturally, that's exactly. just them. Mm-hmm. That's just what they do. This is what they do. In Asia, not so much. And you know what? Sorry. <laughs> we don't have those problems in Asia. They say. just kind of look your way and then keep moving, mm-hmm. you know? So it all depends mm-hmm. on where you are, especially if you're in countries that don't typically date women of color. Mm-hmm. Won't mm-hmm. necessarily date yeah, I was gonna that actually... sort of harassment. So us being in Asia, we don't deal with that at all for the most part. But I hear when you go mm. over to Africa, I didn't mm. have that problem in South Africa so much. I mean, men spoke and, you know, things like that, but it didn't seem like overwhelming. Yeah, I would say that my issue was a lot in India. With three black women in India, I did have that problem a lot. Africa is tricky because there's that sense of like, oh, she's just mixed. So I'll get, you know, her boyfriend will beat me up if, you know, I mess with her. So I haven't had that problem too much. I would say a lot of, like I had that problem in Turkey, and just countries where I feel like they don't see that many black women. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. fantasy. Like, oh, let me get this. The fetish. You know, let me get this Beyonce. They would even call me, you know, Michelle Obama and Rihanna and stuff. You know, so they don't <laughs> they don't see um, many black women. It's been my experience. I was in uh, Japan. They love the chocolate a little bit. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I had a few guys. Japanese I, men. Yeah. I had a few guys approach me. I was like, oh, it's different. <laughs> I didn't know they liked the little taste they of chocolate. Like chocolate. Let me find out. Wait, Nubia is about to buy her plane ticket. No, <laughs> Girl, I'm chocolate. I'm dark chocolate. So <laughs> oh man. So okay. So let's jump back into your story. I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so you're all about economic empowerment, education, and pushing exchange programs. So I think that that's something because I, yes. you know. I look at your social media and I'm like, go ahead, girl. I got the fist up. I'm scrolling. (laughs) And I'm like, do your thing. As a young black woman, you're totally advocating for economic change and for education, for people to be educated about Africa as well. 
because I think that through your travels or through your social media, you give people a different look than what they hear about in the States. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which is a great thing. Yeah, I mean, it's important because, like I said, the goal of our podcast is demystify and Mm -hmm. take out the mystery of a lot of the ideals that were pushed upon people that weren't accurate. And so that's sort of what you're doing right now with your social media and, and sharing all of what you're going through. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the maybe personal transformations that you've gone through as a result of travel? Definitely. I think one of the most powerful things, one of the most empowering things that I've been able to do is inspire. And when I read the DMs, like, wow, you inspired me to go this place and this place, that does something to you, you know, because I was just traveling for selfish reasons at first. Like, I just want to go here and here. And then as I'm learning these new things and becoming a different person myself, I'm seeing that I'm inspiring people around me and my social media, even my mom. And things that I receive in my DMs about this person joining the Peace Corps, this person deciding to go to grad school in another country, or this person just deciding to go on a solo trip, that does a lot for me personally. But that's one of the reasons why I keep advertising it and keep, you know, keep going with it. Yeah, we know it also well. Yeah, we are. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking yeah. to mm-hmm. a few brothers who are traveling and they were saying how they had people just like, you know, hitting them up and everything else. And they had four people that actually took the risk and decided to go and teach abroad and everything else. And we we're talking about how that becomes a domino effect, right? You inspire that group of people, then that group of people goes and inspires other people. And then it just keeps going and going and going and and that's really the goal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For sure. I love it. I mean, because the thing about it is when I told my friends and family that I was moving to Asia, it was just like gasp. It was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was trying to move to Vietnam specifically at that time. And it was just like, oh, my God, mm. you're going to die. And I'm like, dude, Vietnam War is over. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like people exactly. are so stuck. They're stuck on the negative media that is portrayed on TV or what they read. It's really important Mm -hmm. for people to understand that living abroad is a beautiful thing. It allows you to take time to learn about yourself, A. B, Mm -hmm. to learn about other things, other cultures, other people. And it makes you appreciate your life a lot better. Mm -hmm. There's more of a holistic approach, too. You know, you're less stressed. I don't know. Do you feel less stressed? I do. I guess it's because it's a lot more nature around here mm-hmm. than living in the That is inter- important. It's just, you know, less pollution, that is important. less cars. We took, like, mm-hmm. a weekend trip out to the mountains, and just driving through the mountains and the greenery, it was, it was just a breath of fresh air. It was a nice reboot. Mm-hmm. It definitely was a nice reboot. So how long have you been away from the States? Let's see. I guess permanently for the last four years, but my first time abroad was 10 years ago. Any plans on moving back to the States? (laughs) Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe, but uh, I do want to work out here for a bit. I do want to see what that's like. Mm -hmm. Now, do you mind me asking a a simple little personal question? How Mm -hmm. old are you? (laughs) I'm 26. (laughs) That's, I was like, this girl don't look like she ages like for real i was like i gotta ask her she can't be like 30 something or 40 because i would just fall out <laughs> and i have to pick you up right it's too much work <laughs> so at 26 you've been gone mm-hmm. for well you've been traveling for 10 years and you've been gone for four how yeah. what in the world you, what did your parents say girl you've been gone since 22 uh, yeah drives them crazy they get so nervous <laughs> 
probably sitting at the edge of their seat uh, like, Lord, where's she going now? Where's she, where's she at now, Lord? Yeah, it definitely drives them crazy. I remember sometimes I don't share some things with my mom because she'll just get so nervous. I remember someone must have showed her a picture of me skydiving. I didn't tell her that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> she saw it. This is, I went to university in Dubai and I did like the skydiving thing and show, someone showed her a picture. She called me. She's like, Tiara, you cannot just do this. You cannot, you know, she's just so nervous already. And then someone shows her this picture. She's like, why didn't you tell me? Oh, she's a nervous wreck. But my dad, he's more relaxed. <laughs> but seriously, like when we talk about family, there's a lot of times that people mm-hmm. feel hindered by family. Their family loves Mm -hmm. them so much that they're, like, suffocating them. Mm -hmm. And they make them almost feel guilty Mm -hmm. for wanting to leave Mm -hmm. or to just explore Mm -hmm. life the way that you choose to want to live it. So at 22, Mm -hmm. I mean, me personally, I'm a mom that is, like, a globetrotter. So I would be like, go ahead, baby, have fun. But some parents would be like, oh, hell Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. Where do you think you're going, you know? So I'm (laughs) glad that you had the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you have parents that support Mm -hmm. you. Absolutely. Yeah, they're nervous, but they know that this is my passion. And they kind of just had to, like, let it go. You know, thank God I've never been injured. I've never been hurt. Nothing's ever happened to me. You know, I've been safe the whole way. So now they're just like, all right, where to now? <laughs> so let's find out a little bit more about, have you been able to build, I guess, a community? I know that, you know, when you often travel a lot, friendships change. And then do mm-hmm. you find yourself having that circle or good friend circle being abroad? Mm-hmm. You know, nothing like you know your Mm -hmm. girls back at home so they're used to me going away and then whenever I meet them you know I just reach out and they always embrace me and then also I have made a few friends everywhere I go enough so I can be like okay can I crash with you next time I come here (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) so I definitely have made good quality friendships along the way and spontaneous ones as well like oh I have a friend you go in here I have a friend here you guys should hang out you know what I mean and then you just find this person that is like may look completely different than you, but can relate to you in so many different ways. And I think that's the most important for me, whether it be that one conversation or someone I can keep coming over the house whenever I visit that country. I think those bonds and those moments of vulnerability with each other as far as background and your travels, I think those are what I look for. Yeah, because when you travel abroad, it really comes down to quality, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. And it seems that those interactions usually, you know, sometimes I know for me in the States, it takes a little while, you make the friends and then go mm-hmm. through this process. But abroad, you just kind of cut to the chase because yeah. you have that connection already. Mm-hmm. And then people are being vulnerable within the first couple of hours. And Absolutely. Everybody's like connecting and, and mm-hmm. it's you cut mm-hmm. to the chase when you're abroad. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I'd rather just sit with someone, a local someone, just have tea with them and learn about them. Okay. So speaking mm-hmm. of locals, have you learned any of the language? Yeah, I learned not here. I just, the local language here is Shauna. I haven't learned much here, but I do know six languages. Wow. Fluently? From my travels. Fluently, yeah. Nice. What are those? Share them with us. <laughs> but I count English, so. <laughs> She's like, I speak so it, I guess, damn it. So I guess, <laughs> as you should. <laughs> <laughs> so... Besides English, we got Spanish, Arabic, Kiswahili, a language in Malawi called Chichewa. And why am I forgetting the last one? It'll come to me. Oh, Portuguese. Awesome. <laughs> That's what's up. So mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. like you. your travels are more like a slow travel approach. How much time do you normally stay yeah. in a country on average? Yeah, I'm not I'm not an in and out type of person. If I'm going, I'm like going. So I would say longer than a month are my average trips. Mm. So I would say average trip is maybe like 
three months. Yeah, about three months. Yeah, and three months, it's a good start to really immerse mm-hmm. yourself into a local community. Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, because I get the people that have <laughs> that hit me up and like, I got 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to do everything yep. you're doing in 10 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not happening. <laughs> When they say I want to, I want to go to Africa and volunteer for two weeks. I'm like, don't even waste your time. Yeah, like you cannot, you cannot. It, first <laughs> of all, it's going to take you two weeks to get off the jet lag. You know? How about that? Because mm-hmm. it is you know? a long journey, yeah, and then is. the impact. I mean, two weeks. That well, yeah. I think the thing yeah. about it is, and I try so hard to get people to change the way that they want to travel or they think they have to travel right. because it's just like, well, I only mm-hmm. got but this much time, and I really want to do this, and I want to mm-hmm. do that, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. don't make it seem like it's the end you can always come mm-hmm. back that's true come and enjoy because if you're constantly going by the time you hit the ground you're never going to remember it's all going to be a blur right mm-hmm. i remember like in 2016 i went on this 12 journeys and for 12 months and i did 16 i can't remember half the shit i did <laughs> <laughs> that's true. i was just going going mm-hmm. gone you know yeah how do you enjoy mm-hmm. it? No, you can't. So it's nice to know that you're really spending time to get to know. Obviously, Zimbabwe is the longest place that you've actually stayed. No, actually, I, I did university outside of the States and also I did Peace Corps. Oh, yeah, and Peace Corps is like a what, two-year commitment? Two-year, And yep. you did Peace Corps in what country? Mozambique. Mm-hmm. Mozambique and food is mm-hmm. bomb. Is it? <laughs> It's really good to talk about food. I love food. (laughs) So what's one country that you haven't visited yet that you're really dying to go to? Let's see. That's a great question. I would love to visit Brazil. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to go there. Why? Because I have a sister there, one who I've never met. She's half my daddy, half Brazilian. Mm -hmm. And I learned Portuguese. Mm. In Mozambique, and they, they speak Portuguese there. And also because there's a really welcoming Afro-Brazilian community there that I really want to tap into and and learn more about. And I know that they're dealing a lot with racial issues right now, but they seem to keep that strong, their roots strong, while many other countries in South America have abandoned their African roots. Brazil, at least their African community, has tried to keep it strong. That is true. I actually saw a video about that. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the sad part about it is Brazil was always considered this one beautiful place to go until the Olympics tried to go there. Once the Olympics got there, it got Mm, a bad rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's true. It's hard to recover. It was that. hard to recover mm-hmm. after that, for sure. And from an American standpoint of what everything was coming in about, everything that was going in, you know, the conditions for even the athletes mm-hmm. was like subpar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that was really tough. And I can't even lie. That's probably one of the reasons why I was just like, uh, maybe. There's also <laughs> on my list, but I feel like I would have to go with somebody who knows, knows mm-hmm. how to navigate. Get, yeah, navigate the country a little bit. Yeah, that's about right. So what's next for you? What is next? Some more travels. Definitely some more travels. I'm going to head home for a bit, work on a few businesses here. Yeah, I think, you know, just think about, I just want to think about more things that I could do to help the community. So what I was doing for a bit and what I'm still kind of doing now is starting charities for different celebrities and trying to, again, bridge the gap between the African and African-American by having them donate some time and some resources to people in different countries. Um, and I think I want to continue doing that. That program. sounds awesome. Yeah. So I hear a nonprofit coming on. I know. Oh my goodness. I'm trying not to. I'm I'm sitting here like, that's what I think I'm hearing. Right? Right? Yeah. Yes, maybe. Maybe, maybe. So when was the last I'm trying time to pull it out of you, like, yeah. <laughs> but Tiara, when was the last time you've been home? 
I was home for two months from August to October. Okay. So not, not too long. Damn, three months in the States? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to go back for three months. But I haven't been gone as long as you either. So okay, to okay. think about going to the States for three months is like, I haven't even, like, <laughs> you know, started my adventures here yet. Yes. <laughs> I'm only wanting to go because it's summertime now. <laughs> Best time is the summertime. Really well, it's always summertime you know? in um, Zimbabwe, yes. That's true. That's true. Not, yeah. not in North Philly, though. <laughs> not at all. Well, Tiara, mm. thank you so much for sharing your journeys with us. We truly appreciate no it. No problem. So where can people no find you on social media and, and, you know, really support your cause and see all the travel and things that you're up yeah, to? Yeah, so if you want to see some random sites in Zim by me, <laughs> Instagram, which is the only social media that I really use, is Tiara underscore Africana. Tiara, T-I-A-R-A underscore Africana. Awesome. So do you plan on, because I was actually looking for a website. Oh, yeah, I guess I should do that. Huh? I'm not the most <laughs> tech savvy person. <laughs> Yeah, no, I had had a blog going and then I kind of stopped it. I'm more so like kind of just trying to be selfish right now and kind of making sure that I'm okay. You know, that I'm I'm in tune with everything. You know what I mean? So I I just want to focus on me. Instagram is a great platform because I could just snap and go. You know what I mean? But I will do a website. I'm, I'm just like, what do I put on there? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you got in your <laughs> All your Instagram. ideas and businesses. Well, I, was, I was like, damn, she got highlights yeah. all the way to 2000 and like... <laughs> 15, I think it was. No, it was like 2009 or something. I was like, go ahead. I was like, she went here. She went there. That's so funny. I'm sure you have a lot of stories to tell and a lot of things you can share with people to help them, Mm -hmm. to show them how you can actually have a sense of purpose when you travel. You know, Mm -hmm. that human connection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's more important Mm -hmm. than just kind of booking a resort and going because you you just don't go see. I hate when people say, oh, I've been to so-and-so. And and I'm like, well, what did you, where did you go? What did you do? Oh, I stayed at this resort. resort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No judgment, but you know. (laughs) I'm like, you didn't see the damn place. You just <laughs> you stayed on the damn resort. You seen the resort. <laughs> so, Tiara, what advice do you have for folks who are looking to do what you're doing? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight Check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. I always say, if you hear something bad about a country, make sure that the person you hear it from has been there. Because I always hear, oh, uh, Zimbabwe, I heard that. Well, have you been there? You know, no, but I just heard, who did you hear from? Most likely it's not true. You know, the things that I've heard about, I remember I did university in Dubai and I was talking to my financial aid coach and she was like, Dubai, don't they have like a lot of bombing? And this is back, way back before this is like 2013 or so. Don't they have a lot of bombings? And don't they, I'm like, have you ever been there? Do you have you heard that on the news even? You know, there's nothing. Dubai is like the safest place. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure that person at least knows what they're talking about. Yeah, you know, for sure. We say that all the time. Mm-hmm. The person hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. Do not trust what they're saying. I mean, it just Absolutely. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it's failed logic. The blind leading the blind. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I yep. mean, that's, you know what? Let me stop because I was going to say that's how America's running. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Dun, dun, dun. See, we ain't getting into all that. 
that's off the podcast conversations. <laughs> My bad. Well, Tiara, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you sharing your perspective, your experiences, and we believe that, you know, our audience is really going to resonate with the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.